Our reading today is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Please follow in your own Bibles. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we thank you for your word. Please help us now to listen well and focus on what you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is the last sermon in our series, The Faith Honors List. And what we're looking at today are the first few verses of chapter 12, where the author concludes his discourse from chapter 11 with an exhortation to run. What does the author mean by run? Well, he uses imagery of an athlete to make the point, and the readers are encouraged to run a race of faith and to keep running the race of faith, despite the challenges they are encountering. The author doesn't just stop there, though. Athletic runners don't show up to a race without preparation. They need to know their route, where they're going. They can't run with heavy objects on their bodies or anything that will slow them down. Just the bare basics, shoes, shorts, a top. And of course, they need to have a strong motivation to finish the race if they want to be successful. The author encourages the readers along the same parallels to run this race of faith, I think, in three ways. First, he encourages the readers by showing them the destination of the run. Second, he encourages the readers by instructing them to throw off everything that hinders. Third, he encourages the readers by giving them the ultimate motivation to run. So the first point, the destination of the run. So what's the main point from everything outlined in chapter 11? What did we learn from chapter 11? Well, verse 1 touches on it. Verse 1a, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and the long list of judges, kings, and prophets who had faith in God, but more precisely in what God promised, a future, a future time where Abraham, for example, was so convinced of, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. The Bible tells us he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. 
Chapter 11 tells us he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. A future time that Joseph, for example, was so convinced of, despite having all the success and prominence and wealth offered by Egypt for him and his family, he instructed for his bones to be buried in Shechem, part of the promised land God gave to the Israelites. He had faith in a future where God would dwell with his people and his bones would not stay in the ground, but that he would be raised from the dead. So we know this future would be in a city prepared by God, one where God would dwell with his people. And even if his people died, they believed God is Lord of the living, which means they had faith that God would raise their bones from the dead, a resurrection. Some were so hopeful of this time, they even refused to be released from their present suffering in order that they might gain an even better resurrection, as it says in chapter 11. These are the witnesses who testified through their life that they were living for the future God promised, not for the here and now. So this is the race the readers were running, that we are running now. It's a race based on belief or faith towards a future city that God will prepare and where we will enjoy him forever in our new resurrected bodies. In light of this, therefore, as we run this race, the author instructed the readers to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. This brings us to our next point. Throw off what holds you back. Verse 1b, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. When I heard this for the first time, I was stunned. And I still am by how clear and instructional this verse really is. As we run this race of faith, we are instructed to throw off sin and how so easily it entangles as the author describes. We can't run the race of faith towards the future if we are running with sin. I love this imagery the author uses here. Sin entangles. We can't run with sin because sin entangles. To be entangled means to be twisted together or caught in. Imagine running and brambles start twisting around your legs. Jesus uses similar imagery in the parable of the sower in the book of Mark. He describes seed sown among thorns Thorns can entangle and eventually it will choke our faith in God fulfilling his promises. And if we no longer have faith, we are in sin. Everything that does not come from faith is sin, as Paul says in Romans. But I think we know this, though, and the author assumes this of the readers as well. But notice the severity by which he treats sin. He gives a very strong warning to the readers in chapter 10 about sin, but it's a loving warning. He follows up on it here in chapter 12 because he understands sin. He knows how easily it entangles. And because of this, he tells the readers to throw it off. So we can't run a race of faith with sin. Sin is not something we should be engaged with. Is there sin in your life that you need to throw off? 
verse 1b, throw off everything that hinders. So clearly that's not all. We are to throw off sin, but we are to throw off everything that hinders. Everything that hinders. Notice this is not sin. If it was, there would be no need for the author to make a distinction between the two. We are to throw off everything that hinders our race of faith, or said in another way, and this is so practical, we are to throw off everything that doesn't help us run. Do you see how this opens up whole new categories of things in our lives that are not sin? We know sin is a category that prevents us from running. In fact, it can make us run in the wrong direction. But what are those categories that slow our run down? Or those categories that weigh us down, as the ESV translates? We each have our own weights. Those things that weigh down my run are not the same things that will weigh down your run. Perhaps they are weights only we know about. It could be a small weight. It could be a big weight. It could be that one likes to sleep in on a Saturday night, for example. And even if they wake up to go to church on Sunday morning, their minds are not as focused as they could be to digest God's word. Again, this doesn't apply to everyone, and there's certainly nothing wrong with sleeping late on a Saturday. Maybe you have, maybe you have to from time to time. But in this marathon race of faith, we have to ask the question, does this hinder our run? It could be binge watching uh, on your favorite Netflix series, for example. Is there anything wrong with binge watching? Well, no, I don't, I don't think there is anything wrong with it. It's not sin. But, what's, but what the author is saying here is, does it hinder our run? And there are so many other possibilities that could weigh us down. Can you think of things that weigh you down? They may not be sinful, but are they things that are holding you back from running your race with the Lord? Verse 1c, and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us. So, so we are to run the race of faith, a race that is focused on the future God promised, not for the here and now, a race where we prepare our hearts and bodies and minds to throw off everything that holds us back from running. The, the author also encourages us to run with perseverance. And this is such a welcome encouragement here because we know this run will be, it will be met with difficulties with delays towards the finish line, in a sense. We may even fall at times to sin. But the author encourages us to keep running the race marked before us, which leads to our last point, the ultimate motivation to run. The race has been marked before us because it has been run before us. Verse 2. As you run your race of faith, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Well, where do we find our motivation to run? Our motivation to run is achieved and sustained by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the pioneer or founder or author of our faith, in that he laid the foundation for our faith as he endured the cross. 
Our redemption was won on the cross, and because of this, God has shown his grace to us by saving us through faith in Jesus. Jesus is the perfecter or completer or finisher of our faith, not only because he ran the perfect earthly race, trusting in his Father at all times, but because he is the finisher of our faith. As Paul writes, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? You run, but Jesus will sustain you and bring your run to completion. So Jesus proved he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith by enduring the cross and scorning its shame. What motivated Jesus to run with endurance? Verse 2b, for the joy set before him. Notice it was joy set before him or in front of him, meaning it was a time in the future. Just like Abraham hoped for and Joseph and so on. Jesus' joy that was set before him was this same future. And because his mission on earth was the hardest of all, he gets the ultimate position to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God in this future city. Jesus endured the physical agony of the cross and scorning its shame. Scorning its shame. It's almost as if Jesus looked at the shame of abandonment from his friends. He looked at the shame of his reputation being mocked. He looked at the shame of being stripped down and hanging naked on the cross. And he scorned it. He despised it. Knowing that the joy of being exalted to God's right hand in the congregation of his redeemed people far surpassed the suffering he was going through, as hard as that is to imagine for us. So we know the object of our motivation to run is Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. But how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? It's one thing to know what your motivation is, but it's another to let that motivation be active in your life. The author helps us with this again, and I love this because it's so practical in its application. Verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How do we fix our eyes on him? By considering Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. It's like a second reminder from chapter 3, where the author exhorts the readers to fix your thoughts on Jesus. Well, it's very similar here. You fix your thoughts on Jesus and your eyes on Jesus by considering his life, his death, and his resurrection. Remember, the readers at the time were growing weary in their work and their love to help God's people. They were growing weary in their lack of trying to understand the scriptures. Because they were enduring persecution from the outside and struggling with sin from the inside. So the author exhorts them to consider Jesus, who himself endured such opposition from sinners, yet being completely without sin himself. Consider the opposition Jesus endured during his life. 
We saw Jesus endure spiritual opposition from Satan as he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights at the beginning of his ministry. We saw Jesus endure human opposition from the supposed spiritual leaders at the time, constantly questioning Jesus's authority, trying to trap him and eventually destroy him. We saw Jesus endure opposition from among his own, one of his own disciples, one of the 12, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus and gave him up to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Consider the opposition Jesus endured during his death. As he hung on the cross, where the rulers sneered at him, the soldiers mocked him, and even one of the criminals who was crucified beside Jesus hurled insults at him while he hung himself. The readers were struggling mid-course in their race of faith, and the author is saying here, keep going, keep running. Keep running by considering Jesus and the opposition he endured during his life and his death, which will keep you from growing weary and losing heart. How does considering Jesus lead to a state where you will not grow weary and lose heart? Well, the illustration the author gives is considering a life of faith as a race of faith. It's a race that has been marked before us. A race marked before us has trail markers. And I think the author is helping us to see those trail markers have been laid by Jesus. He finished the race. So as you run your race, if you grow weary in the work and love of the Lord, as the readers did, if you grow weary or attempted from walking away from God's word, look forward towards the next trail marker. Remember, Jesus ran the race of faith, a race of faith before you and laid that trail marker with his blood. Consider the suffering of Jesus and consider the fact that he finished his earthly race because of the joy set before him in the future, far surpassed his future sufferings. The future includes the saints of old and includes us as well. Keep going, keep running. It will be a fight, but a good fight. And as you pass each trail marker, Remember, you're one step closer to that finish line where Jesus is waiting for you. Well, I thought we could end by looking at Paul, a fellow runner of the race of faith, who describes what the finish line looks like. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today, so clear, so practical in its application, to run the race of faith that has been marked out for us by your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he ran the race we couldn't run, and because of him we have forgiveness, redemption, 
and a promised future with him in eternity. Help us now to run and fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Amen.